the colour flamed into Mary's face. She remembered that she was Queen of Scotland and the Isles. Great men knelt before her and kissed her hand. Her guardians, those great earls Murray, Huntley and Argyle, never spoke to her without first kneeling and kissing her hand. And now fat little Beaton refused to do as she was bid. Beaton, you heard me. You're found. Come out at once. The Queen commands you. Then Mary understood, for Beaton could no longer contain her emotions. She stretched full out on the floor and began to sob heartbrokenly. All Mary's anger disappeared. She immediately got onto her knees and crawled under the bed. Beaton! Dear Beaton, why are you crying? Beaton shook her head and turned away. But Mary had her arms about her little friend. Dear Mary, said the Queen. Dear Mary, sobbed Beaton. Rarely did the Queen call one of her four friends by their Christian names. It only happened in particularly tender moments, and when they were alone with her. For Mary the Queen had said, How shall we know which one we mean, since we are all Marys? They did not speak for some time. They just lay under the bed, their arms about each other. The little Queen could be haughty. She could be proud. She could be very hot-tempered. But as soon as those she loved were in trouble, she wished to share that trouble, and she would do all in her power to comfort them. They loved her, not because she was their queen, whom their parents and guardians had commanded them to love and serve, but because she made their troubles her own. It was not long before she was sobbing as broken-heartedly as Beaton, although she had no idea what Beaton's trouble was. At last Mary Beaton whispered, It is... My dear uncle, I shall never see him again. Why not? asked Mary. Because men came and thrust knives into him. So he died. How do you know? Who told you this? No one told me. I listened. They say it is wicked to listen. Beaton nodded sadly. But the Queen did not blame her for listening. How could she? She herself often listened. So he is gone, said Mary Beaton, and I shall never see him again. She began to cry again, and they clung to one another. It was hot under the bed, but they did not think of coming out. Here they were close, shut in with their grief. Mary wept for Beaton, not for Beaton's uncle, the cardinal, a stern man who had often told the Queen how good she ought to be, how much depended on her, and what an important thing it was to be Queen of Scotland. Mary grew tired of such talk. Now she had another picture of the Cardinal to set beside those she knew. A picture of a man lying on the floor with knives sticking into him. But she could not think of him thus for long. She could only remember the stern cardinal who wished her to think continually of her duty to the church. They were still under the bed when the others found them. They crawled out then, their faces stained with tears. Mary Fleming began to cry at once in sympathy. Men have stuck knives in Beaton's uncle, announced Mary. All the little girls looked solemn. I knew it, said Flem. Then why didn't you tell? asked the Queen. Your Majesty did not ask, answered Flem. Satan said quietly, 
everyone won't cry. The King of England will be pleased. I heard my father say so. I hate the King of England, said Mary. Satan took the Queen's hand and gave one of her solemn, frightened looks. You must not hate him, she said. Mary can hate anyone, said Flem. You should not hate your own father, said Satan. He is not my father. My father is dead. He died while I was in my cradle, and that is why I am the Queen. If you have a husband, persisted Satan, his father is yours. My nurse told me so. She told me that you are to marry the English Prince Edward, and then the King of England will be your father. The Queen's eyes flashed. I will not, she cried. The English killed my father. I'll not marry the English Prince. But she knew that it was easy to be bold and say before her Marys what she would and would not do.